With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia. Or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks. And automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. So you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology. Real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. Hey gang, Nat here, favor to ask. We are up for an award. Yep, <laughs> it took me a while to uh, work out quite how the hell that happened. But we are, the Sports Podcast Awards, no less. We are nominated in, unsurprisingly, the NFL category for Best NFL Pod. How about that? How about that? So help us out, please, if you can. If you got, I reckon it takes about 45 seconds. That's my guess. So head on over to sportspodcastawards.com. You've got to register, register your email and vote for us as your favorite NFL show. It's going to help us because, quite frankly, we like a bit of chest puffing. But also, if we win that award, we think we've got a better shot of getting Drew Locke, Joe Judge, maybe even Urban Meyer on the show next season. And that is on which list for next season, as you all well know. So head on over to sportspodcastawards.com, sportspodcastawards.com and vote for the show. Appreciate it. Hello and welcome to the Nat Coombs Show. Good to have you with us, gang. Shane Vereen in the house. Super Bowl winner to cast his eyes over Super Wildcard Weekend. And what a great shout to tell us what he thinks his former coach Bill Belichick will be feeling right now given the manner of that Patriots defeat. The Bills were formidable. The Chiefs took care of business and shut down Ben Roethlisberger for the final time. How about those Bengals? Producer Ol, he is starting to believe. We'll get into all of that and more with Shane Vereen. Well, seeing as we are talking about the road to the Super Bowl, we figured it made sense to get somebody that has been there, done that, got the ring, Super Bowl winning Shane Vereen back in the house. How are you, man? Doing good. Doing good. How are you? 
really good man and a lot to a lot to get into with you we're gonna concentrate on the afc with you but 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 i want to start things off by just flipping the script a little bit and talking about that crazy ending last night with dallas and san francisco because i want to get your perspective on on what went down right in terms of the, the final play or non-play of the game and and spotting the ball and the criticism the Cowboys are facing and Dak in particular for not being aware of the fact that an official's got to touch the ball, right? That, that, so center spotted it. That was the mistake. And that's, we'll know what played out then. How commonplace or widespread would you say that knowledge of the rules is and should be amongst the teams? Is it fair criticism that, that Dak and his line did that? Or is it a little bit unreasonable based on your playing experience? Like, would you have known that that was the official rule? Uh, well, first, I'm going to say um, to anybody that has uh, friends that are Cowboys fans, uh, reach out to them. Um, they're, they're down bad in a really, in a really poor, unfortunate way right now. And so just reach hush, out. Hush yeah, yeah maybe, maybe just see how they're doing. Check in on yeah, them. Yeah, just uh, leave it like a WhatsApp message. Yeah. Hey, okay? I'm here. Maybe, I'm here. If you Yeah, just me. a smiley face, you know, something to brighten their spirits. But um, yeah, yes, that, that is common knowledge. You should know that. Um, right. Part of being a professional is, is understanding the rules. Um, knowing the rules and understanding them even a second time Um, because throughout the game, it might not matter, but in the fourth quarter and and when you're trying to surmount a comeback in, in last minute drive with no timeouts, that's when you need to know the rules. Mm -hmm. That's when you need to understand. Um, So it it always comes back to get you in. Um, You know, I don't understand. You know, there's a couple of plays. I just got to say it. There's a couple of plays that Dallas did yesterday that made absolutely no sense to me at all. Mm. Um, Okay, you converted on the fake punt, but then why did you keep the punt team on the field on first and 10 and then then run the punt team off and then run the offense on and then you get a delay of game? Delay of game. So every the, the, the timing of that and the fake punt was brilliant and genius. And not just that it prolonged the drive, but it was a prototypical momentum shifter, right? It was like, wow, they pulled it off. They gabbled, they pulled it off. And then all the air was let out of it <laughs> instantaneously by what happened next. It was un- uncanny. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I figured there's going to have to be a team that, that steals a possession. And by stealing a possession, you know, it's a converting a fourth down, a turnover um, or, or a fake punt for a conversion in uh, Dallas. I didn't think Dallas was going to have to be the team that has to steal the possession. I thought it was going to be more San Fran. I figured Dallas was going to come out and, and kind of roll early on, but yeah, they just did not, they could not get anything going. And the defense held up their end of the bargain. They only mm-hmm. allowed seven points in the second half. Right. I mean, Dallas couldn't score more than 17 points. Uh, you know, it's just, uh, the, this is an offense. That's the number one ranked offense all season long. And then you get down to when it really matters in a, in a critical game, obviously wild card game at home, you won the division um, and, and you put on a performance like that. Um, it, I was, I could not understand uh, really what's going on. And then just the way the last drive went down, what made mm-hmm. it even worse it just made the loss even worse in my mind. The offensive line and Dak has to understand that the ref has to stand over the ball until both sides are set. Mm. And then, and once he takes his hand off the ball and backs away, then you can snap it. You have to understand that. And you have to know that going in. And what you do is you, you create, you create a gap so that, so that the official can get there quickly. You hand the ball to the official, let him spot it, let him give him his space. He he'll spot it. He'll get out of your way. And then you can snap the ball Um, there. But, I mean, 
you know, it's just, uh, you know, there, there's certain organizations that, you know, it's, it's good for football when Dallas Cowboys are good. Um, and then mm. they, they go out in the wild card game. And this is a chance for Dak to kind of reverse the narrative and for a chance for him to prove that he is a top quarterback in this league and beat a good team in San Francisco. And they just didn't they do choked, it. They choked. choked. I mean, I and I, I, I with you 100 percent on that, I really figured that. The more that it went on, the more the week went on. And Ollie and I were joking about it on Edge Rush because the 49ers were his Drew Lock of the Week is Lock Pick of the Week. And <laughs> I had taken the the Cowboys and I was pretty confident about that. And then more and more sharps that I know, more and more smart minds. I was hearing more and more, yeah, the 49ers are gonna do it. I was thinking, yeah. but I didn't expect the manner of the defeat. As you say, the way the offense was so vanilla for so much of that game. I expected if the Cowboys go down, they're gonna go down swinging. If anything, I thought it was defensively that they might have had more problems than they did. And as you say, particularly in the second half, they really stepped up and were present and correct there. Who ultimately, and then we'll get on to, to the Pats Bills, who ultimately do you think bears the most responsibility for the way that final drive went so off the rails? Was it Kellen Moore for some of the play calling McCarthy in the mix there as well? Dak? for his lack of smarts. And I know he's by no means isolated in, in that, you know, that his line should have stepped up as well. Or as someone pointed out, just needed Larry Fitz to run in and <laughs> take care of it. Yeah. If if NFL did WWE, that's what it would happen. Larry Fitz would have <laughs> music. Um so who who do you think holds the carries the can for that? Or is it a collective responsibility? You know, it, it's it, it's more of a collective in my opinion but for like each play each person that, that you named for a different reason it, it's Mike McCarthy's fault because he's the head coach and he's an offensive coach right. and his, his time management skills have been poor for the last two seasons I mean even when he even if you go his back entire to his career right day, yeah. yeah his entire <laughs> right. career and at some point you you have to look yourself in the mirror and fix that because that's crucial um Kellen Moore I, I wasn't a fan of the playing calling really all all game mm-hmm. um I felt that there was an advantage that Dallas had. And if they were able to run the ball and get CD lamb and Amari Cooper in one-on-one situations, and you take advantage of that. And unfortunately they, they didn't take advantage of enough of them. And then it's on Dak Prescott um, as well. Cause he, he is the quarterback. He's a vet. He's the leader of this team. He's been in these situations, critical situations um, at the end of games. And, you know, that's on him. He he's the he's the coach on the field. The quarterback is is the extension of the coaching of the coaching staff that's in the huddle and it's on the field and he's the one running everything. So, yeah, part of that's his fault as well. Um, but as a team, 14 penalties, Dallas, mm. um, as a team, they ran the ball for 77 yards and the and the Niners ran it for 169 and two touchdowns. I, I mean, they just got physically dominated. Um, in a game that I thought was going to be a chance for the Dallas Cowboys to take to take a step towards the NFC Championship game, somewhere they mm-hmm. haven't been in years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hugely disappointing, and that was a, exactly the, well, almost exactly the language that Jerry Jones used. Extraordinarily disappointing. <laughs> uh, right now, if you are Mike McCarthy or Callum Moore's probably going to get a head coaching gig somewhere else and just get out of dodge. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, the ball. <laughs> Mike McCarthy is going to be uh, sweating it, I think, over the next couple of days. If Jerry was extremely, or sorry, extraordinarily disappointed with that performance. What would Bill Belichick be feeling the morning after the Bills just dismantled his Patriots? Um, You know, the way that that happened um, and, you know, the the defense for the Patriots, the last two games against the Bills just 
can't, just refuses to get off the field. They just were having such a tough time getting off the field. Um, there's certain losses that that you look at, um, you know, big blowout losses. A lot of the times when there's a big blowout loss, um, it's a reflection in my mind. It's a reflection on the coaching staff or the head coach not preparing the team enough. Uh, but I don't necessarily put blowout losses squarely on players. Um, when it's that, when it's that big of a margin, when it's that lopsided of a game, the guys just weren't prepared. They, they weren't, they weren't ready to go. Um, and so because of that, because that's Bill's job and, and he takes that extremely seriously, I think he's probably, probably woke up feeling not too good about himself and, and the way that he probably feels like he let his team down. And in a lot of, in a lot of ways, you know, I think they kind of let each other now. So you, that's really interesting. And Bill will take it on the, the, the chin in that respect and take and take ownership of that at the same time. Look, I don't think anybody expected the bills to be so in complete control of a game like that, but nevertheless, they were favored. I think most people figured, well, maybe, maybe it wasn't slightly divided, but I think the majority anyway, were probably leaning towards the bills, but certainly didn't anticipate that kind of, that kind of blowout. When you look at the season as a whole and this development, which goes back to, Last season, the second half of last season, and, and the Pat staying in contention despite quite a lackluster roster, all the re-upping in the offseason with three, uh, free agency and then the draft. And then what's played out this year with the rookie quarterback, let's not forget, when the dust has settled, and obviously Belichick's going to be frustrated at the manner and the severity of the defeat. But do you think he'll look at this season as a whole as uh, one of progress and be optimistic about their ambition for next season? Yeah, um, especially, you know, missing the playoffs last year. So that is a step in the right direction with a rookie quarterback. Um, but there's a saying in football that's you are what your record says you are. And at the end of the day, they're a 10 and 18. Uh, mm -hmm. That's how they finished this year. And, you know, I, I'm a, I know the standard and the bar is set much higher than 10 and 8 and losing in the wild card round in New England. Um, I know that. So they're, they came up far short of their goal. Um, However, there, there's a lot of really good things to take away from this season. Um, and I think they Mac Jones did some growing up. I think the running backs did some growing up this year. I think the defense grew up a little bit this year um, with, with some new pieces. And um, although the defense didn't play well every single game and they obviously didn't play well against Buffalo uh, the last two meetings, um, you know, there's something there's something to grow on. There, there's a foundation now that they can build upon. Um, hopefully they're able to bring most of those guys back because I do think this is a good Patriots team that they have and uh, just an experience. But, mm. you know, it takes time to be experienced. Yeah. And, and I guess as well, you can point to, to injuries defensively that, that had some bearing certainly on on what we saw against the Bills. And also the credit has got to go to, to Brian Dable and obviously Josh Allen and, and collectively the Bills offense playing an almost flawless game. I mean, looking at the way that Allen was playing, do you think many current defenses in the NFL could have, could have handled him? He, it, or, do you think that the Patriots allowed him? Because the big narrative going in was, well, as they've talked about, as, as Belichick and, and his team have talked about, it is so difficult to know how to play this guy because it's not as simple as just saying, well, we'll contain him in the pocket because he's a decent pocket passer. And if they can buy him enough time in the pocket, a receiver is going to get open at some point anyway. So mm -hmm. it, it's very difficult to play this guy when he's in form like this. Do you, do you look at the current NFL defenses and think, could many have kept up with the way the Bills played? I don't think so. I, I don't think so. I mean, 
I, th- I think it was in the first quarter, first or second quarter in the first quarter, uh, I think about probably about the second drive of the game. And they called like a QB sweep, a QB run. And then they pulled back. They pulled a uh, offensive lineman to get out in front of Josh, Josh Allen. And this is a playoff game, a wild card game. And Josh Allen is running down the field in a, in a called quarterback run. That right. shows me the mentality of this Buffalo team. And they're, they're not going to back down. They're not going to not play physical. They're going to bring it and then they're going to call their best plays. And if that's Josh Allen running the football down the right-hand sideline for 17 yards. I mean, why not? Uh, I was extremely impressed with this Buffalo Bills offense uh, and Brian Dable and, and the way that they called this game. Uh, they had an answer for everything that the Patriots were throwing at them defensively. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, w- when Josh Allen is playing like that, um, and he he kind of had played like that two, uh, two or three weeks ago, the, their second meeting in New England when they kind of ran away, when the Bills kind of ran away with it. And his confidence level against the Patriots is, is just going up and up. And, and right. when you can go out when you're Buffalo and you can go out and have a performance like that against a good Patriots team, a good, well-coached team that doesn't make many mistakes. Uh, now I think Buffalo might, might have a chance to really to, to beat Kansas city this week. Oh, I God, I really want to get it. I want to get to that game and, and, and preview that. I want to ask you about the development, of the ground game in, in particular with, with Buffalo. And it's something that Dable talked about and, and Singletary was getting more and more focus as the season went on and more and more people paying attention to, oh, actually they are starting to deliver a ground game because it had been pretty vanilla prior to that. And that was okay because Alan's such a significant dual threat player. But Dable was saying, we realized that we had to invest in this and had to leverage it a bit more because we were getting worked out and we were not becoming one dimensional, but certainly it was becoming harder and harder to execute the game plan we wanted without it. And it was something that I was thinking about Shane earlier in the season, that those teams that have a Lamar, a a Josh Allen level quarterback that is so prolific. And so you want to design runs for them all the time and you want to hand them the ball so often that it's hard to establish for rhythm, for consistency, uh, just for touches, a strong ground game behind them. It's not a straightforward thing. And now the balance is a little bit more uh, leveled there. That seems to be a, a, a real masterstroke from Dable and the Bills. to, to Because it's not as if, unless you, you, you might disagree with this, but I think everybody's felt Singletary's always had the talent, right? That It's yeah. not as if he's suddenly become a good player, but he's just getting more opportunity. They're designing plays for him to allow him to fulfill that potential. Yeah, it, when when you want to be a running football team, when you want to get your run game going, it, it's a concerted effort. You you really have to call runs, even in situations where you might not want to, because you're trying to set a statement. You're you're trying to wear down the defensive line. You're trying to make running and have, forcing the defense to stop the run their number one goal, right? And when you when you can do that, when you can impose your will. Physically, because running the ball is physical. It's a physical statement that an offense is making to a defense. Either you're going to stop this or you're not going to stop it. And we are going to run the ball down your throat all game long. Um, And so it's a concerted effort. You can't it's when teams that run the ball or try to run the ball like the Chiefs are kind of going through. Mm. they, they, They run it, but they don't really run it. You know, they don't run it enough to to really work out all the all the, the kinks and, and to really get the ground game going. They, they want to run it, but they want to run it to supplement the pass. They don't want to run the football to run the football. Um, what we're seeing now in, in Buffalo is especially last week was 
they're running the football to run the football, whether it's with Singletary, whether it's with uh, Moss earlier in the year, or whether or whether it's with Josh Allen. I mean, Josh Allen had 66 yards on the ground. You know, uh, that's a concerted effort. Um, Devin Singletary, 16 carries for 81 yards. That's a concerted effort. And as a team, I think they ran 29 times for 174 yards and two rushing touchdowns. That is a concerted effort to improve and to impose the run game. Mm, it's a great point. Let's bring that nicely then to their matchup with the Chiefs, because as you say, they have failed to do that. And Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and his ongoing injury issues, I think are a, a significant part. Of that. Same thing. I thought that they would start to give him the rock more and establish. I thought the Chiefs would, would attempt to do the tail end of the regular season and into the playoffs, the same thing, right? Now, McKinnon had a good game uh, uh, against the Steelers, but a lot of that was out the backfield, right? At 81 receiving yards, 61 on the ground, had the score as well. I mean, he's therefore establishing himself as a, a significant part of this Chiefs uh, attack, but to your point, and it's a great one, not in the same way. So bringing this all together, we know that the Chiefs are a team you can run on. Although, and maybe it was the way that the game played out, they kept Najee Harris in check. They kept the Steelers ground game in check. And that was fundamental for the Steelers to have any shot at beating them. And they neutralized Najee Harris and the Steelers ground game, Benny Snell as well, pretty pretty effectively. It's going to be an altogether different proposition, of course, against the Bills. Is that one of the fundamental matchups here? Now the Bills have got this ground game really rolling and it is a traditional weak spot for this Chiefs defense. Do you think that is what the Bills are going to really key in on? I, I, I think so. Um, I think you have to keep Patrick Mahomes in the offense on the sideline. Um, right. As good as well as Buffalo's playing, you don't want to let Patrick Mahomes get hot and allow that offense to be on the field any more times than they need to be on the field. Um, if Buffalo has any shot at winning this game, they have to run the ball because they need to, like I said, keep Patrick Mahomes on the sideline. They need to cre uh, create first downs. They need to stay ahead of the sticks. They can't put themselves back in because when you make mistakes against a, an offense or a team like the chiefs, yeah, their defense isn't that great, but their offense is so good that you know, those mistakes will cost you points. And when we're talking about Kansas city, we're talking about touchdowns. Uh, remember we were talking about the, the Vegas and the Cincinnati game and you can't trade field goals for touchdowns. Kansas right. city does not Kansas city scores touchdowns. And if they're close enough and if the offense is rolling, they're going to go for it on as many fourth downs as they can in order to score touchdowns and not field goals. So the way you combat that is you ball control, you control the ball. Uh, you have to put together 10 plus play drives. Um, and then you have to score touchdowns at the end of those drives. That's how you win ball games against potent offenses, against offenses that can score in three, four plays. Mm. Um, you know, you can, you have to limit the amount of time that you allow the Kansas City offense to be on the football field. But do you think that, that it's a it's a fair point and, and, and accepted? But do you think the Kansas offense has had to change this season from that quick strike, two plays, but wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, to, you mm -hmm. know, we see a lot of drives where, you know, 10, 11, 12 plays, six, seven minutes. The yeah. patience that I guess Mahomes has had to develop this season. Do you think that is could be lulling teams into a false sense of security and they are still absolutely capable of that, of that deep strike 67 yarder that sh shuts teams down when they go into a 14, 21 zip lead? Or do you think the offense has evolved and won't really ever re not regress, but look back at that style of play? 
Yeah. Um, whenever you have Tyreek Hill on the field, you have you have a legit deep right. right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Legit. And when you have a guy like Patrick Mahomes that could throw the ball a quarter mile, um, yeah. you know, you'll you'll have a deep threat. Um, what defenses have been doing this year though for the Chiefs, and I think this is where a lot of their troubles came early in the year, and they had to kind of learn how to play uh a different style of offense. Defenses were just taking away the deep threat. Mm. Um, and they still are. They're, and most defenses are doing actually a pretty good job of it. Um, as much tape as they as they have seen, they're they're still being successful with it. But they're taking away the deep threat and forcing Patrick Mahomes to throw the ball underneath, forcing the the Kansas City Chiefs offense to put eight, nine, 12 play drives together because that's a lot harder. And when you're a quick strike offense like the Chiefs have been the last couple of seasons, when you're used to scoring in five, six plays, now you got to put a 12 play drive together. That's a completely different scenario. That's hmm. a completely different ball game. That takes work. Um, because when you talk about a 12 play drive, you're talking about 12 snaps. That's 12 times we cannot jump off sides. That's 12 times where we sh- we cannot have a penalty. We can't have a holding penalty. That's going to set us behind the chains. And at a 12 snaps, you're probably looking at at least three uh, third down conversions on that mm. drive. You know, that's a lot more difficult of an offense to, to execute than obviously than like a three, four play deep bomb to Tyree kill. Yeah. Um, you know, so that's what defenses are doing. They're taking away the, the deep threat, um, the big threat. And a lot of that is because the Chiefs can't run the football. So mm-hmm. they're a lot. So the safeties can stay back because the front seven is handling the run game. Right. Um, anybody that's playing the Chiefs, they're keeping the safeties back to take away the deep threat and allowing the front seven to handle the run game. And it's been working. And that's and that was that was kind of the troubles that the Chiefs were going through earlier this season. Such a good point. You know, on the the development of the offense, how much of the of that has been down to giving the offensive line time to gel an all new offensive line. Right. And the fact that that unit takes time, do you think mm-hmm. that has had some bearing in as the season has gone on, they've got uh, more varied, more considered with the play calling and the drives, or is it purely a sense that their hand has been forced? The deep threat's gone. All right. So we've got to beat them by slicing and dicing. You know, um, that's a great question. And I, I would say it's probably a little bit of both. I mean, but the overarching thing in my mind is that you have to run the ball to run the ball. You can't try and run it 15 times a game and with, with an offensive line that that's that's shifting around every week. Mm-hmm. You can't run the ball 15 times a game and expect expect the run game to produce anything. That this isn't a league where it's that easy to run the football. You know, it, like I said before, it's a concerted effort. You have to run the ball at in in uncomfortable situations when you would rather throw it and Andy Reid loves throwing the ball and and all the creativity that comes out of that offense trust me it's fun to watch but at the same time until you make it a point that we're going to run the ball 25 times a game or we're going to run the ball uh 30 times a game and work our play action and really work the ground game until you get to that point, you're just running it just to run it. And that's what I see the Kansas city chiefs doing. I don't think they're giving, they're giving the offensive line or the running backs even really, you know, a chance to really get something going just because there's not enough reps. So which way do you see this one going? You, and it's early in the week. So that's maybe a loaded mm-hmm. question. And you can take a pass if you want, Shane Green. I'm not going <laughs> to force you on the spot, but assuming yeah. that, no, nothing dramatic happens in terms of, you know, personnel missing the game because of COVID, anything like that. Do you have a strong leaning either way at the moment? You know, um, because Kansas City's at home, I'm kind of leaning towards there. And I've played at Arrowhead and it's loud. 
Um, it's cold probably, and it's loud. <laughs> it's cold and it's loud. Probably one of my favorite places to play, though. That that place is sweet. Um, so I, I think, um, and I think that I think the Chiefs, because their confidence level is back to uh, 2019 Chiefs. Wow, that's a big call. Yeah, I I, I just feel it um, offensively, and you know if the defense, I think the defense is good enough to create turnovers so i think mm. they're gonna get a turnover or two um from the bills and uh i think that's gonna be the difference and i think that's gonna be enough i don't think i don't think the chiefs are gonna win by like like by what we saw this weekend i see the chiefs winning maybe by five by um, five by five somewhere around there i think it's gonna be tight um, and I think it's going to come down that the Bills are going to have the ball. I don't know why I think this, but the Bills are going to have the ball late in the game, late in the fourth quarter, and the Chiefs defense is going to step up and get a defensive stop. And that's how the Chiefs are going to win the game. I love it. So Allen's going to have the shot to win it. And yeah, and the yeah. Chiefs D, the much maligned Chiefs D is going to step exactly. up and take care of it. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I don't wait for this game. Incidentally, I, I meant to say when we were talking about the, the Bills-Pats game, how pissed off would Belichick have been when they wheel in Mitch Trubisky to take three back to back? Exactly. Yeah. But hey, you know, that's what, ha- that's what happens when you get blown out against a yeah. division rival. Um, you know, everything, everything's on the table. You know, they're not going to, they're not going to, gracefully beat you you know when it's yeah. a division rival and, and it's a wild card game and you're home you're gonna beat you're gonna beat the snot out of them if you can that was a that was a shot fired though wasn't it like <laughs> wheeling in trubisky <laughs> to, to take three knees that was just, i yeah. wish someone had asked about that i mean I, you know the, the the new year's eve resolution question from a few weeks back like that that reports that yeah. brave reports of the dead to throw that at Belichick. Someone had dropped in. Just uh, coach Belichick on a scale of one to ten. How pissed off were you that it was? And the fact it was Mitch Trubisky. As well. <laughs> oh boy! Uh, actually, just jumping back to the uh, the Chiefs Steelers game quickly because I want to get your perspective on on uh, Roethlisberger and the end of his, of his career. A, a player, of course, you went up against, right? You must have you must have squared off yeah. against Roethlisberger in your time, and oh, yeah. one of the greats, one of the greats of uh, of all time, and certainly of his generation, a future Hall of Famer. Do you think there is an argument to say, and this season's had some brilliant chapters in his career, written, uh, not least how they got into the playoffs and that and that Week 18 finale? But do you think there is an argument to not begrudge Roethlisberger for this, but he has maybe played a season or two? too many and now the succession yeah. plan is a big old problem for pittsburgh yeah it, it really is um i think too too many i think mm. this year and last year we're just it, it, you know there, there's some there's some players that uh that are afforded the ability to go out um still looking like them themselves in a sense mm. these last two years ben ronsberger has not really looked like him like what I know Ben Roethlisberger used to be like, you know, and it's, and it's, and it stinks because like, I feel like that we're going to remember, I hope I'm not, but I know the younger generation is going to remember the old Ben Roethlisberger, like the one that we've seen these last few seasons and not even understand how dominant he was uh, when he first came into this league and and was winning Super Bowls and, and was on some physical, physical football teams as well as throwing the ball all over the yard. Um, to all those receivers that that he's had throughout the years, so that's the that's the only reason why I wish he would have retired a couple years earlier. 
So that way we didn't we didn't have to see this these last two years and the punch that, drunk Ben right it's yeah kind of like stain stain mm-hmm. what your memories a little bit um, but I'll always try to remember uh, Super Bowl winning Ben Roethlisberger yeah it's a great shot I, I got a theory about that you remember the injury he got I reckon he might have gone out particularly if they'd had a playoff run that season I reckon he might because he was talking about retiring the year maybe even the year before that as well and, and then he yeah. got injured I thought oh well, I'm definitely coming back I'm not going out like this and then right right yeah and then. Yeah. One last hurrah, it didn't didn't pay off. But saluting him anyway, hell of a player. You mentioned Arrowhead's one of your favorite places to play. Yeah. What in terms of friskiest crowd, right? Of opposition crowd, I mean, they must be up there. But which, who, who, you know, gave you the most jit, the most trouble? Um, that Philly? would be Philly yeah. and Buffalo. Philly and, and Buffalo. Buffalo. <laughs> yeah, but I love like Buffalo. I like Buffalo because it was like a, it was very much like a college atmosphere. Mm. Which I think is cool. Um, if you, you go to college football games, you know, you got the student sections, you got the bands, everyone's talking trash to you. And like, I loved, I loved uh, playing college football for, for that reason. Um, mm-hmm. There's just so much more added to it. And it feels like it means more, you know, because mm-hmm. the student section is, I mean, that's probably my favorite part. But when you go to Buffalo, I kind of, you, you get that feeling like everybody's from there. Um, everybody's invested like you feel like the whole town of buffalo is in one place in one stadium you know and they're there to have a good time and and be as loud as possible and they have the most annoying song oh my god every time they score it plays and it's like a a spin off james brown yeah Yeah. it's terrible but it works (laughs) (laughs) do you give it back when the when the when you're getting jipped from the fans do you do you bow back or do you just how do you play it yeah, so, sometimes I do, but I will say in Philly, uh, I was in, in pregame warmup. I was catching, I was catching uh, kickoff returns, and uh, I was just jogging back, waiting for the ball. And the guy, I forget what he said, but it was good. And I actually went over and shook his hand, and I, we started <laughs> laughing. I was like, you know what, like that—that's probably the best diss that I've heard about myself, and I got to give you some credit for that. And he was—he was really cool after that. Love that. Um, that's the best way to deal with it, man. Just like, yeah, fair yeah. play, bad props. That is like good. he said something. I turned around. And I was like, yeah, absolutely, you're right. I forget what me. he said though, but it was—it was really funny. Um, so I, I have fun with it, you know, like. There's some fans that could get a little bit too out of hand. And if that's mm. the case, then you just ignore them. But yeah, if they're good or, you know what I mean? Like I, I kind of, I'll give them props if they, yeah. if they have something good to say. Love that. Let's talk Raiders Bengals game. We did on radio, of course, and mm-hmm. came down to the wire in the end, which, you know, we were scratching our heads about because much as we love the fight of the Raiders and all season long, they've shown that, of course, that's how they're in the playoffs in the first place. This was a game where we kept thinking, how the hell are the Raiders still in this game? This yeah. is just what what's going on. The, the Bengals didn't take their, their red zone chances, which could have come back to haunt them. It was a point you made really early on. You said this is all about playoff football, it's all about taking those yeah. chances. So the Bengals got away with it that time. Might not be so straightforward against against the Titans. What did you make overall of Cincinnati's performance against Vegas? They played well enough to win. Um, and I, I think it stops at that point. You know, um, you know, here comes the uh, the field goals versus touchdowns, I, you know, uh, but this is a young team. And mm. for probably everybody in the building, I, I, I don't know how many guys have been in a in a playoff game um, before, you know, but so I was trying to work out as well, because that's the first playoff win uh, in 31 years. Yeah. How many players on the Bengals team? Are older than thirty one, <laughs> right? Not, not many. many right? Yeah, not <laughs> many. Taylor's only about twenty seven. So. Yeah, 
you know, um, but at the same time, you know, for them being young and inexperienced, I thought they handled, I thought they handled, you know, the situations that they were put in pretty well. You know, right. Joe Burrow seemed comfortable and confident for, for the whole game. Um, the Vegas wasn't really able to rattle him much, although I, I think that's more of who he is as a player and as a person. Um, you know, I don't think the Raiders had the right plan defensively against the Bengals. Um, and offensively, uh, the Raiders, it was just too inconsistent, mm. um, you know, but but it's because I think it was inconsistent because they couldn't trust the run, the ground game as much as they wanted to because they were down two scores here and there. Um, and they couldn't score touchdowns either when they got down into the red zone, you know, so I, I'm assuming that Tennessee is going to have their way with Cincinnati. Really? Um, I, I I believe so, because I just don't because Tennessee's not going to allow Jamar Chase to to ruin the game. You know, mm-hmm. they're, they're a much, they're a much better team defensively in that, in that state. Um, I thought the Raiders should have been doubling um, yeah. Jamar chase the entire game. They, they, his first four catches were just underneath throws and he was wide open on comeback yeah. routes. Yeah. It's um, because they're playing so far off of them. Like, I, you know, don't make it easy for the, for the team that has a, a, First time quarterback in the playoffs and a young guy, a young team, Jamar Chase, Joe Burrow. Don't make it easy on them. You know, make it make it tough, make it tough, make it difficult. Make make him have to go through his second and third read. Make him have to check the ball down to the back. And the Raiders didn't do that that at all. I mean, the Bengals didn't even punt what until the third quarter, right? Right, right. So I, you know, um, Tennessee will not will not allow it to be that easy um, at all. Let's talk about the the Titans defense because we often and we're inevitably going to have to talk about Henry and his return and uh, keying on on their offense and and Henry of course in particular. But I guess this season one of the interesting narratives has been when Henry went down and, and the the offense has dropped off, whichever way you cut it, it, it has. And I know that yeah. backups have stepped in and done a capable job without necessarily lacking that big play explosion of Henry, right? But mm-hmm the defense is what has carried them to the number one seed. And yeah, that is a, that is a unit with maybe the Kevin Byers, the notable exception there. Everyone else in that unit is, you wouldn't define as a a superstar. And even Bayard, I think is kind of under the radar in in many respects, right? Although he's an all pro, but it's not a team and compare it to the Cowboys defense. We were just talking about and the the 49. It's not a team. It's not a unit that is laden with, big name playmakers. So is that testament to in particular, Mike Vrabel and and his coaching team are getting the best out of them? Is it that it's Tennessee? So it's not a fashionable market. We don't really think that a lot of the media likes to paint a one dimensional narrative. So the Titans are all about Derrick Henry and that's kind of, that's what they're about. What do you, what do you put down to the fact that this Tennessee defense is, is despite the number one ranking kind of under the radar? Yeah. Um, good coaching, you know, um, they, they, they clearly have guys there that understand the system. Um, they understand their place in the system. They understand um, any given day what's what's expected of them, what's asked of them in, in their specific role. Um, it, it's clear to me that everybody on that defense understands their role and understands where they're supposed to line up. Um, and, you know, you say that lightly, but 
there are defenses out there that can't get lined up for four quarters. <laughs> not correctly, <laughs> right. anyways. You know, right. it might not look like it might not look like they're misaligned to the just to the regular casual viewer. But if you really understand the game and gap schemes and 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 controlling gaps and understanding the the goal and the the scheme around each defense, it's easy to see when when players are out of or out of alignment. Um, you don't really see many middle mm-hmm. errors with Tennessee Titans, and that, that's you know that's a that's a testament to their coaching staff and uh, and the guys that they have in there. You know, it's a great point, and it's and you know, variable. I know that this is a point that is being amplified a lot and increasingly so with this season. But you know, he's a Belichick lieutenant, right? I mean, that is yeah. very much that mo, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. You under, you understand? You know, it doesn't take long uh, when you, when you're being coached by uh, Bill Belichick. Uh, it doesn't take long to understand team. It doesn't take long to understand. Um, expectations and and understanding your role knowing your place knowing where you fit in why you're in the building what what they what is asked of you um you know and a lot of times i feel like coaches they have a scheme and regardless of the players that they have regardless of their roster they're going to run that scheme the good coaches craft a scheme around the players that they have mm. uh, which means each and every year it's it sums a little different um and i see that with tennessee um, especially defensively. Um, and yeah, you know, and it, it takes a talent to be able to do that, uh, to coach that up and, you know, hats off to the players for understanding it and understanding their role and understanding what they need to get done on Sundays. Brable, uh, readily a favorite in many people's eyes for coach of the year. And I think that's a, that is a real, really fair shout in this particular matchup though. You, well, you've shown your hand a little bit. You, you think the Titans will, particularly with Henry back will prove to be too much for the Bengals. Why, why do you feel that this is, is it down to the defense being able to contain the Bengals in a way the Raiders couldn't? Yeah. um, I think so. Um, You know, I think the offense is going to score anywhere from 25 to 30 points. That's, that's kind of who they are. That's kind of what they've been uh, for most of this year, Tennessee. And I just think defensively um, and I think the team is more experienced. You know, mm-hmm. um, Vrabel has coached in in big games and AFC championship games before um, on, you know, on the road and at home. Um, Tannehill has been there. You know, they've had enough of the key pieces there to to go through the experience so that they understand what it what it takes. Uh, Cincinnati doesn't really understand what it takes yet. They, yeah, they, they got to win in the wild card round. But now we're in the divisional round and that's a little different. And then the next round is a little different. And then obviously it's the Super Bowl after that. Uh, Cincinnati, although they've had success and, and they won last week in a tight one, uh, they don't understand what it takes yet. Um, they will, but not yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I hear you. I, I am big on the Titans for a deep run this year, but this Bengals side, as you made this point on, on radio, the fearlessness, right, that yeah, they're showing. Yeah, I mean, that is it's not fun. It's fun to watch, and they say I, I can't call this one either way right now because of that. You know, and Burrow's mm-hmm. the the point you make about Burrow, I think, is maybe outside of anything else, the thing that should fill the hearts uh, of Bengals fans uh, uh, with glee because that moxie to show that poison in a playoff game. We've seen it quite a lot this season to show the poison in in, in his first playoff game. I look completely at home, like it was his fiftieth yeah. playoff game. I mean, <laughs> yeah. That is, irrespective of anything else he's doing on the field, that is good news for the Spangles. And let's wrap on that. Let's wrap on whatever happens against the Titans, just how far this organization has come. And yeah. Zach Taylor's a coach that gets a fair amount of criticism, but he's seeming to 
put that in check now, but from a front office perspective as well, the decisions they've made, taking Jamar Chase when they got a lot of criticism for taking him over other players at that point in the draft and other decisions they made in free agency as well, bringing in you know some really key defensive players that have changed mm-hmm. the look of that unit. This is an organization that is absolutely trending in the right direction. Absolutely. Um, and, and rightfully so. You know, Zach Taylor, I mean, I, he proved me wrong um, as far as how good of a coach he could be. Um, I, I didn't see it, but I see it now. And uh, it seems like that culture and that foundation that they have built over the last couple of years, um, yeah, for the last two years, uh, has, it's really coming to fruition. I think a lot sooner than a lot of people thought. I was thinking yeah. Cincinnati would be playing like this this level of football next season. I wasn't expecting them to be playing it this year. Yeah. Um, you know, but shoot, if if they went out, they got the players that they needed defensively. Um, they drafted well offensively. Uh, there seems to be a great working relationship between Zach Taylor and the coaching staff and their relationship with the players. Um, they're clearly able to relate to, to the younger guys to get them to go out and execute at this level. Um, that's impressive. And that's, you know, it's not easy. So, you know, you really have to consider Zach Taylor as one of the top head coaching, um, you know, his, his resume from this season alone should put him in, in my mind, top seven head coaches. Yeah, what a, that's a high praise indeed. And he shot right up. Hey, you know, I lied uh, one more for you before we let you okay. go. Another organization, uh, of course, that you play for the New York Giants. Super quick. Who would you like to see take over as head coach there? Uh, let's see. I want I want somebody that's experienced. The last three head coaches for the Giants were first time head coaches and it did not work out. Um, you know, I would love for them to hire somebody with experience, somebody that's been a head coach before. So maybe that's a Dan Quinn. Um, I'm not sure. A Flores, um, Brooklyn boy. A Flores, maybe. Yeah. Coming that home. would be sweet, right? Be flow up there. That that would be that would be awesome. Yeah. Uh, but I would really love the New York Giants to start with an experienced head coach. That's what they need right now. Yeah, they need a lot right now. That is for sure. Uh, Brilliant stuff. Shane Vereen, always a pleasure checking in with you. Thanks for your insight, man. Look after yourself and come back soon. Appreciate it. Brilliant stuff from Shane. Iron Mike dropping by tomorrow to look at the other games we didn't cover to look ahead at the other divisional matchups that we didn't cover. The pods coming thick and fast. This week, as we crank up to the Super Bowl, Ollie and I will drop an edge rush a little bit later on. Hell, we might even sneak in a college days if we're feeling in the mood. So much coming your way. Thanks for the support as ever. We'll see you with Iron Mike. Sports Social Podcast Network.